0: Thanks for coming to church on the first Sunday of May. It's beautiful outside today. It probably won't be beautiful tomorrow. That's kind of the way it works in spring in Idaho, right? We were driving home last night from, uh, we had a a, a memorial service here yesterday, driving home from that, and it was the proverbial raining cats and dogs. Oh my goodness, it was awesome. (laughs) So uh, man, we need that rain, and I'm just grateful that God brings it. But I want you to know, I want you to know uh, that bottom of my heart, I'm so grateful for you that you've chosen our church to come to you. I know there's a lot of churches you could come to, and I'm grateful that you have chosen this one. And, uh, one thing we believe, and we want you to know that we believe, is that if we can save the family, we can save the world. You've heard me say that a time or two. If we can save the family, we save the world. As the family goes, as the state of the family goes, the state of the world goes. And We can be a part of saving the family uh saving the family uh our staff and I were at a thing called network conference this week and they got to hear from my friend uh pastor Adam Cook who I totally stole that phrase from just shamelessly stole I told him I was stealing it but uh I believe it strongly if we save the family we save the world that's why we are collecting formula for uh all all of the month of May Uh, so you may have seen the basket out there we talked about this last week I didn't know this when I decided to to have us do it but formula apparently is really expensive these days And kind of hard to find some people saying amen. They know what's going on. So if you can donate formula, what we're doing, there's a local organization called Stanton Healthcare. They're a pro-life organization. And they encourage women to not have an abortion, but to have the baby. And what they say is they're going to help that mother any way they possibly can. So that means if the woman decides to have the baby, um, they will provide all of the physical stuff, formula, diapers, all that good stuff for the whole first two years of the of the baby's life they will help them find adoption if adoption is what it is it's an incredible organization run by someone named brandy that some of you know so what we're gonna do i got in contact with them and they said that they always need formula so we're gonna connect uh, collect as much of it as we possibly can uh this week there's a basket out there uh next week there'll be a stroller a double stroller that we have at our house we don't use it anymore because our boys are too big for it uh but we'll bring it here and we're gonna try and fill that thing with as much formula as we can and if we fill that one up we'll get another stroller and we'll, uh, we'll take as much of it over to Stanton as we can. And we will be a part of being the hands and feet in Jesus in our community because we talked about that scripture last week. They will know that we are disciples of Jesus by our love. It's a tangible way that we can help uh, young mothers in our community. We've also got um, some mothers in our, single mothers in our congregation. I will not name them, but they do have needs. And next week I'll present some specific needs to you that you can help with, with people in our church that come here all the time that we can help with. And I believe that God will poke some of our hearts to help, and it'll be awesome. Our mission, like I said, we want to save the family, save the world through the love of Jesus, to help people have a marriage that has Jesus right in the middle of it. Introduce kids to Christ at a young age. Those of you that have been serving the Lord faithfully with your spouse for 50 years, you're nodding and saying amen because you know how important it is to have Jesus in the middle of it. You won't survive the storms and the uh, tribulations of this life without Jesus in the middle of your marriage and... um, you know, It's just a fact. That's the way that it is. Uh, we want to introduce kids to Christ at a young age. And I had this written down way before our memorial service we helped with yesterday. But we want to have this place be somewhere where our family can come with all its worries and troubles, and they can know that their kids are going to be taken care of. They're going to hear about the love of Jesus. Um, I'm going to brag of my brother-in-law. He's not here today. Uh, but last week, uh, my sister's here, and they were on uh, preschool duty last week. We have a preschool class. And so it told me this on Wednesday. And uh, my sister stayed home to work on a paper, right? That's what she did. She's in here, so I can just embarrass her if I want to, right? So uh, she stayed home to work on a paper. She's getting her PhD. And uh, my brother-in-law Kent, he's six eight. You've seen him here. He's the only guy here that's six eight. Um, they were on preschool duty, um, and he came and he had five preschoolers in there by himself, and he tore it up. He did an awesome job. My brother-in-law did. Took good care of the preschoolers. Um, and the reason I tell you that, I had this written down before the memorial yesterday. We had a memorial service yesterday here for a family that's represented by our church. Um, a, a case you probably saw in the news of two, a mom that lost uh, two of her daughters, a teenager and an elementary school-aged uh, child. And uh, it's, the funeral's kind of been in, in the works for a little while. And the reason I, I bring it up is this. Uh, the, the pastor uh, from the church that these girls had gone to, um, he's the one that preached at the funeral. He did a great job. He presented the gospel. And it was awesome. Um, I was just, I was honored to hear him do it. He did a great job. But the thing that really struck me that I want to relate to you is he was in here, and, and they had baptized both of these girls at, at this church. Uh, but he was in here, and there was a couple hundred people in here. We brought every chair we could possibly find, and we put them all around the sides, and it was all packed out. Um, it was a beautiful memorial. But this pastor, he's speaking, and he probably pointed out probably 10 people that were there that had worked in the kids' ministries and had loved on those girls and had loved on his kids and led them to the Lord. And the reason those two girls are in heaven for sure today, even though they died earlier than we wish they would have, is because there was a whole bunch of people that loved on them at their church. And friends, that's why we do kids' ministry. That's why we love all families. We believe if we can save the family, we can save the world. And those kids can end up in heaven. Amen? So that's my spiel. We want to save the family, save the world. Next week also, just because of the way the the timing got off with the months, we're going to take communion. So we'll take communion on Mother's Day. It's going to be a great day. Uh, But I'm really, really excited about it. Today we're going to be chapter 3 of Ephesians. If you recall, before Easter, uh, we were in Ephesians. And uh, we're going to keep going through that. Then we'll take a break for Mother's Day next week and then go back to it. So... We wrapped up our three weeks last week that were surrounding Easter. We talked for all three of those weeks about how Jesus brought us when he came to earth, lived a life with no sin, died, rose again. Jesus brought us from darkness to light. We talked about how the shadow proves the sunshine. We, we talked about how darkness came to light. We talked about how when Jesus rose, it was daybreak in our hearts. We talked about how when the sun has come up, we can see our way around See where to go, what to do. We can see others, but also others can see us. How at daybreak, our questions are answered. Thomas had questions and Jesus answered them. And at daybreak, we have new direction. Now, some of that actually goes really nicely with Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. And I didn't plan it that way necessarily, but that's how good God is. He plans it when, when we don't have it planned, right? Today, we're talking about Happy Trails. Some of you are singing the old, uh, it's an old song. I don't know if it's country or what it is, but you're singing it in your mind, right? (laughs) Roy Rogers. Rogers. Yeah, that's it. Um, More accurately, we could call it Happy Rabbit Trails, but that wasn't as catchy. So it's called Happy Trails today. Does anyone here have experience with rabbit trails in your life? Know what a rabbit trail is? Anybody? Anybody else? A few of you are honest along with me. You all, most of you are familiar with this concept I'm sure if you've been around rabbits in the wild at all this metaphor makes sense to you my son John was asking me yesterday about this for randomly uh because if you've ever seen a rabbit in the in the wild these little rabbits right they can be flying one way and then just like the blink of an eye they're going the other way they see some trail that no one no no one's can see right and they, and they just go sideways now for myself when I was younger my granddad had a ranch and the rabbits ate his crops, so he'd take us out with 22s and we would hunt the rabbits. But those things were so quick. I know. They, they were gross rabbits. They weren't nice bunny rabbits. This was not Bugs Bunny we were going after here. Um, but these things were so quick, they would hear the crack of the shot, and they would turn left, like, before the thing was even there. These things were wily. But that's a rabbit trail, right? You're, you're going one way, and then just all of a sudden, you're going the other way. No explanation. That's sometimes how it feels in our lives, right? We'll be singularly focus on something. Although some are better at focus than others, I'm good at focusing sometimes, not so good other times. But I can be terribly susceptible to rabbit trails. And I think it's really been made worse with cell phones. I think cell phones make getting off on a rabbit trail quite a bit worse. This is really, truly the reason why I got to watch because I found myself, I had my phone in my pocket for an illustration. I found myself taking my phone out. Oh, what time is it? Oh, look, I should see how the Dodgers did yesterday. Oh, you know, I... Before I know it, I've wasted 15 minutes going off rabbit trails on my phone. So I got a watch. Um, the watches I have, I'm, you know, I'm nerdy, so all my watches have, like, a tide indicator. Even though we don't live by the ocean, I like the ocean. So this one tells me the, the tide in Seaside, Oregon. And the, my other one has a set to the tide in Hawaii. So we go there, like, every several years, you know. My wife is an incredibly incredibly focused person one of the most focused people I've ever met in my life I do this thing with her where she'll be focused on something and I'll start saying ridiculous random things just to see if I can sneak and buy her I'll be like hey I'm gonna buy a $3,000 TV okay just to see if she notices what I'm saying there's one thing though that will take her on a rabbit trail almost 100% of the time and that is a book if she's doing something and she sees a book she will immediately go towards the book The older, more dusty, more boring the book, the better. Distracts her even better. If you ever wanted to kidnap, I didn't think she was going to be in here today, but if you ever wanted to kidnap my wife, you know those old things where they would show you, they would like hook a $5 bill up to a fishing line, you know, when they would like yank it away. You could do that with a book. You could get the oldest, most boring, dusty book and put it out there and she'd be walking down the road and see that thing and immediately move towards it. A book would send her on a rabbit trail. Why are we talking about this? You're, like you're on a rabbit trail. I am, because Paul, the author of Ephesians, the beginning of chapter 3, he goes off on a rabbit trail. Uh, look at verse 1 of what we're about to read. We're going to be uh, Ephesians chapter 3. In your Bibles, at the end of the verse, you're going to see either a dash or an ellipsis, which is three dots. Because he was talking, and then he got distracted and had to go to another thought. The week after Mother's Day, we'll get into the second half of Ephesians 3 and the rest of the book. And that's where Paul, he talks about quite a bit of very specific stuff pertaining to the Christian life. He talks about spiritual growth. He talks about unity in the church. He talks about just, as a Christian, how you should act every day. He talks about husbands and wives. He talks about raising kids. He talks about all sorts of just applicable, practical stuff. But first, he goes off on a rabbit trail. That's why you see a dash or a dot there. But it's a happy rabbit trail because this is really good stuff. Paul is about to talk to us about a mission. So let's read Paul's rabbit trail, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. The little subtitle of mine says, God's marvelous plan for the Gentiles. I'm reading out of the NIV today. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. Verse 1, it says something really interesting, right? It says, for this reason... I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then we see the dash or the three dots. What does Paul mean here when he says this, for the sake of you Gentiles? We, if you recall, we talked some about uh, the Gentiles and the Jews and how Paul, one of Paul's missions in life was to break down the wall between the two. Well, what Paul means to say here is that he is in prison in Rome because of an actual Gentile. He's sitting in prison because of a Gentile. We talked several weeks ago about how, uh, because of Jesus, the dividing line between the Gentiles and the Jews was broken. The curtain was torn when Jesus was crucified, right? The Jewish lawmakers, they considered themselves better than anyone else when it came to knowing God. And here's the proof of it if you need it. We're in Acts uh, chapter 21, verses 27 through 29. The headline at the top says, Paul arrested. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews... From the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. Listen to this part. They had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with Paul, and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple. So Paul was in prison. He was chained oftentimes to a Roman guard simply because he dared to bring a Gentile, a non-Jewish person, into the temple. Jesus had come so that we could do that. Paul is so devoted to this cause that God has given him, the Gentiles and the Jews being one church under Christ, that he's willing to go to prison for it. Now Paul also has this great perspective on his imprisonment that I love. Notice Uh, who it says that Paul is a prisoner of. Not the Romans, who are actually the ones holding him under God, but Paul says what? He's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Paul's saying this, the Romans may be the ones holding me, but Jesus is the reason I'm here. I might be in a Roman prison or a Roman house, but Jesus Christ is the reason I'm here. And that thought is what takes Paul down this side road down this rabbit trail. And he's so excited about it that he can't help but talk about it. And that leads us this morning to our first thought. And that's this. Paul had been graced with a mission. You see, Paul may have gone off on this rabbit trail for a moment, but it was a rabbit trail with a mission. Let's again read verses 2 through 6, back in Ephesians chapter 3. Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace it was given to me for you that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as i have already written briefly in reading this then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the spirit to god's holy apostles and prophets this mystery is that through the gospel the gentiles are heirs together with israel members together of one body shares together in the promise of christ jesus To understand what Paul's talking about here, we need to know what Paul means when he talks about the administration of God's grace, verse two. He's not talking specifically about God's saving grace right here. Of course, Paul did receive the saving grace of Jesus. He staked his life on it. Remember that Paul, when he was more often called Saul, he had encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus in a blinding flash of light. But the language right here is a little bit more nuanced. And it's more like when we would say someone is graced with a gift. When we would say someone is naturally gifted at something, we would say God just gave them the gift to have that. All of us are given specific gifts by God, and they're different. We're graced with different gifts, if you will. Things we're naturally talented at that he has put in there. I'm so grateful that all of you are not, like, good at the same things I'm good at and vice versa. The world would be a very boring place. A great example for me is uh, just the act, simple act of catching a ball. Uh, I, you know, I've always loved sports. You know that by now. My sons like sports. Um, but I remember very clearly, I was in high school sometime, when I realized that not everyone could catch a ball really easily. Like it was a thing. I'm like no amazing person at it, but I can catch a ball. Like someone throws me a ball, I just know how to do it right. And I remember in high school, in football, we had this guy and – They wanted him to be wide receiver, but the guy could not catch the ball. And I was just thinking, like, you put your hands together and squeeze them around the ball, right? I mean, it just, to me, I was a thing I naturally knew how to do. No one had to teach me how, but the guy couldn't do it. God had not graced him with that gift. Now, God had graced him with the gift of being, like, blindingly fast. So we made him a running back and just handed him the ball instead of passing it to him. Made it a little bit easier. God graces, with different, graces us with different gifts. Paul had been graced with a gift. You see, every one of us has a mission in life that God has given us. If you're sitting here today, if you're alive and breathing, you have a mission that God has given you. And it's a mission that we have in common with Paul. Paul's mission after his conversion and at this point in his life was to be a missionary to the Gentiles. If you read what Paul talks about, his mission in life was to be a missionary to the Gentiles. And the gift that God had graced him with, the understanding of the concept, allowed Paul to accomplish that mission. As we continue on in verse 3, it tells us a little more about the gift. Paul says specifically that the gift was a mystery that was made known to him. God God had revealed something to Paul that was to be brought to a specific group of people. And that group of people was the Gentiles. God gave Paul an understanding of something that was brand new. No one had understood it in the history of the world like Paul. Something that others did not easily understand. In fact, the New Living Translation, which I read during the week sometimes, it says, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. God had a mysterious plan, and he revealed it to Paul. So Paul could tell the Gentiles and the Jews. I want us to notice a couple of things about these two verses. We mentioned already that Paul had been given a mission from God. But we can see here that nothing was going to keep Paul from that mission. In fact, we know that while Paul was in prison, chained to the Roman guard, he was busy carrying out his mission, even in jail. Now, they'd had him arrested like we read a minute ago because he dared to bring a Gentile into the temple. Paul had dared to say that a Gentile could know God. In the same way a jewish person could yeah news for you like i've said before that includes us and there we see the second interesting thing from these verses paul refused to keep that mission to himself he had a mission and he refused to keep it to himself they put him in prison because he was telling gentiles about the good news of jesus and what did he do while he was in prison If you read the New Testament, he told more Gentiles about Jesus while in prison. The Roman guards were Gentiles. And it says in the New Testament that he spent all his time when he was in prison preaching to the Roman guards. Have you ever run into someone that no matter what, beyond the shadow of a doubt, they're going to do something once they make up their mind, you just might as well get out of their way because it's going to happen. That's Paul right here. He's on a mission to carry the gospel to the Gentiles and even chained to a Roman guard he's going to carry out his mission. You see, when you've been given a mission from God, you can't keep it to yourself. Missions we come up with on our own, you can keep those to yourself, but when you've been given a mission from God, you can't keep it to yourself. Now, Paul's mission, specific mission, was unique to him. Like we've been saying, he was the one tasked with telling everyone, there's no longer a divide between Jews and Gentiles. Everyone can know Jesus. Everyone can go to heaven. They do it by believing on Jesus Christ. And there was now one community of believers. Now, the way Paul accomplished that mission of telling others about Jesus is unique to him. Your mission and my mission will not look the same as his. Our mission can't look the same as Paul's because we haven't been graced with the same gifts that Paul was graced with. And we haven't had the same revelation that Paul had God gave Paul a revelation of how this was going to work, and we have I had that revelation in the same way. You see, the methods aren't the same from person to person when it comes to the mission. But the one thing every Christian has in common is a mission to reach others. If you believe in Jesus, if you consider yourself a Christian, God has given you a mission to reach others. He has. If you're wondering what you are supposed to do, be doing in this life, every Christian is on a mission to reach someone. And I can promise you that this is a part of it. I promise you because it's in the Bible. Not only do all of our missions look different than Paul's, but all of our missions look at least slightly different than the people around us. And why is that? Because like we talked about a moment ago, God has graced all of you with gifts that will open doors that I could never dream of walking through. Paul had been given a mission to reach others for Christ. You know, it's really interesting the way God has made us and, and our interests and things like that. It gets us into doorways and into things, places that other people maybe wouldn't. I've told you before, I like to play basketball. And um, a couple of years ago, I, I played the same place all the time. And uh, you get to know the guys, you know, and they, they do this thing. I don't know if you've ever done, played basketball before, but you don't want to have too many guys at the court, because then you have to sit for a long time. They like if you sit one game and then you get to play again. So, um, same guys I always go. And I was sitting next to this guy that I sort of knew, and uh, I, I only know him because we go play basketball at the same gym. He likes basketball. I like basketball. We had nothing else in common really. He likes the Wyoming Cowboys. I do not like the Wyoming Cowboys. Right? I mean, we don't have a lot in common. But I'm sitting next to him, and I can tell he's down. He's like having a tough day, ask him, hey, how you doing? And he tells me, this guy's an ER physician, but he had had a a daughter that was special needs and she had passed away unexpectedly and he was struggling with it, wondering about why it had to happen that way and and where she is and if she's in heaven. And I got to share with this guy what I believe heaven is like because I believe in Jesus. That I would not have ever been in that position if him and I hadn't had a common interest. The thing that got me in the door is I like to go play basketball. I can hang with those guys. But God had prepared me for that moment to talk to them. So your gifts will get you in doors that I could never get into. My gifts will get me into doors that you could never get into. God has graced all of us with gifts. Paul had been given a mission to reach others for Christ. And all of us have been given that same mission. In verse 4, 5, and 6 here, Paul begins to speak to the Ephesians in a way that he is qualified to speak to them. He's able to speak to them in a way that will hit home for them. I think it's important to see, though, it's not because he is one of them and for that reason can identify with them. It's easy to identify with people that are your people that you have everything in common with. If you read the New Testament, Paul, uh, if you want to talk about who is the best Jewish law follower, Paul says in the New Testament, he was the best of those. He did not have that in common with the Ephesians here. He's able to speak to them, not because he's one of them. It's actually the other way around. Paul could speak in a relevant way to the Ephesians because God had given him a revelation specifically for them. Listen to what it says here, verse 4, 5, and 6. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel members together of one body, Shares together in the promise of Christ Jesus. You see, when God gives us a mission, he also gives us a message. And often you can deliver that message within the context of the gifts God has given you. Like I said a moment ago, a gift may get you in the door, but God can give you a revelation for someone that's in that room. Paul was an educated man, someone who knew the law and knew the Old Testament. He knew every law and custom there ever was. But when God gave Paul this revelation, his experience uniquely qualified him to bring this message of grace and inclusion to the church of the Ephesians. That revelation was what gave him the words to speak and to write to the Ephesians and the Gentiles. And so it is with us. God guides and he directs us in this life. And our job or our family situation or our hobby will put us in the path of others who we may have very little else in common with. We can stand here today and say, what a great chance to talk to others about God, right? That's the happy Christian answer. Well, brother, you get to talk to them about the Lord. Yes, you do. But you're probably thinking, like I often have thought, that's nice that you say that, but I really don't know what I would say. You know, the Bible says be ready in season and out of season, and we try to do that. But you're thinking, if someone asks me, (laughs) how do I accept the Lord? Or or why are you so happy and everyone else is so sad? What exactly would I say? But that's where the revelation comes in, just like it did with Paul. Paul didn't come up with this on his own. God gave him a revelation for the Gentiles. In the details of your mission, friends, that's something God will reveal to you. He may reveal some parts to you immediately and some parts gradually, but when we seek the heart of God, he will reveal it to us, and when we have the opportunity, he will put the words in our heart and in our mind. Those, those here that have been serving the Lord for a while, they can attest to the fact that this happens. When we seek to the heart of God, he will reveal it to us. Sometimes your mission evolves over time. Uh, I think I've told you before that I felt like I was called to ministry, called to give my life to the church, working in ministry, and I was a 10th grade at a camp. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about camp a whole bunch in the next couple of months because I believe camp can uh, completely change a life for a kid or a teenager for the better. Now, the broad part of my calling was revealed early on. 10th grade, winter camp, Sun Valley, Idaho, I knew I was supposed to give my life to the ministry, work in a church for the rest of my life. But the details have been revealed day by day. By day, you see, I went back and I told my youth pastor and I thought, and I really felt like the Lord focused my call that I was supposed to go into youth ministry. So I went to college. I got a degree in youth ministry. I helped in a youth group. I came back. I was a youth pastor for six years. But then I kind of felt the details of my mission begin to change a little bit. I started to lead worship. And um, I'll tell you, when I was a youth pastor and people would ask me, "What, what else do you think you want to do? In ministry in church, I'm like nothing. I want to be a youth pastor the rest of my life. They'd look at me funny, I'd be like, Yeah, I want to be that guy that's like 60 and still a youth pastor. I think I could do that. But it kind of began to change, right? I learned to lead worship, and I really felt the Lord kind of moving me towards that. And I ended up doing that full time for 12 years. And the same exact thing happened, people say, Hey, you ever want to lead a church? Like, no. Really like what I'm doing. I like singing songs. I love being alongside Pastor Stan, just helping him accomplish the vision God's put in his heart. So no, not really. But then the Lord began to change the mission a little bit in my heart. And here I am. See, God can reveal the mission to you over time. The broad part for me was revealed early on, but the details were revealed day by day. They're still getting revealed day by day. That's the exciting thing about the mission that God sent us on. We see in these five verses that Paul had been given this specific mission, and God gave us that same mission. He's uniquely qualified, every single one of you, for certain parts of it, and he's given us new revelation in our life if we're listening. He's given you new revelation every day. The question is whether or not you're listening or not. Our second thought this morning from this passage is this. When you know what you've been forgiven of, you can approach your mission with humility. So this guy, Paul, we've been talking about, he's been given this incredible mission from God. The first one to ever be given this mission. To tell people about him. And amazingly, as we submit ourselves to God, he often reveals more and more about the nuances of that mission as we go along. What an incredible thing. God's so good to us and so kind. Paul, he's been given this amazing privilege. To proclaim to anyone who will listen, there's no longer Jew, there's no longer Gentile. We're all saved by the amazing grace of Jesus. We talked about this in Men's Sunday School this morning. But the story of Paul is so incredible. We talked about it a few months back. We touched on it a minute ago, but I don't want to assume everyone knows the story of Paul. So I'll just kind of nutshell it for you. Paul saw Jesus when he was on earth with his own two eyes, but he wasn't convinced. So after his death and resurrection, Jesus appears to Paul. In fact, Paul it says in the Bible he was persecuting Christians and uh, it says in the New Testament that Paul, he so was focused on persecuting Christians, it says he was breathing out murderous threats. Every part of him wanted to murder Christians, put him in jail. But after Christ's death and resurrection, Jesus appears to Paul on this road. Paul is on the way to another town to persecute more Christians, try and bring him back to throw him in jail. And he appears to Paul on the road with a flash of light. So bright that the flash of light blinds him. It was the middle of the day, but it was so bright, it was brighter than the day. His traveling companions bring him to this specific house because Paul's been blinded. He can't see where he's going. And Jesus, uh, he says to Paul, 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 why, why are you persecuting me? So his traveling companions bring him to this specific house where they've been told to go. Another believer shows up, lays hands on Paul, and his, his sight is restored. Paul starts to travel. once he convinces all the Christians he's actually not trying to kill him anymore. He travels, and he starts churches all over. That's where this church in Ephesus came from. He travels, many, many are saved. He wrote a huge chunk of the New Testament, but look at what it says here in verses seven through nine. Remember, when you remember, uh, you know what you've been forgiven of, you can approach your, approach your mission with humility. Paul says this, "I became a servant of this gospel." by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God who created all things. You see, Paul had this incredible story of miraculous conversion. If you want to have a miraculous conversion story, you're not topping Paul's. Not happening. Not happening. He ends up writing a huge chunk of the New Testament. These books we're reading right now. But Paul understood what he had been forgiven of. And our human nature is so often to take credit anytime we can take credit. Especially in the United States, man. You better prove to everyone how good you are. But let us sink in what Paul says here. You know, we're just listing Paul's credentials, why we should revere him as a saying. Listen, listen, listen to what Paul says. I became a servant of the gospel. Paul says, don't think I'm great. I I am serving the gospel. Instead of taking credit for his ministry, Paul understands that he doesn't deserve any of it. It's only by the grace of Jesus he gets to go on this mission. The people come into Christ through his ministry. It's a result of God's redeeming grace, and it's a result of nothing else. Now, this isn't the only place in the New Testament where Paul says something like this. In 1 Corinthians Paul calls himself this. He says that I am the least of all the apostles. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he says he is the least of all the apostles. In 1 Timothy, he calls himself this. He calls himself the worst of all the sinners. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament, he calls himself the worst of all the sinners. Paul remembered something that all of us would do well to remember as we walk day by day in the glorious light that God has shown on us. That as Christians, we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. In the Bible, Jesus is called a suffering servant. Here's the things Jesus did when he was on earth. Jesus, when he was on earth, he did things like wash the feet of his disciples. Feet that didn't have shoes like we have. They walked around in the dust all the time. Washing feet was a job for the lowest of the low. Like if you're a servant in a house... The lowest servant was the one that washed the feet. Jesus did things like eat with sinners. He went and he had dinner with people uh, that other people didn't like. And he went and he did it anyway. Jesus did things like touch a leper in order to heal him, even though he didn't have to. He knew everyone when he touched that leper to heal him would say, well, now you're unclean and you have to go out the city. But he did it anyway. We're following the footsteps of Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible calls a suffering servant. And above all of that, right, he took my sin and my shame upon the cross. If we understand the depth of God's grace like Paul did, then it humbles us. It enables us to never see ourselves as better than anyone. There's this beautiful scripture in 2 Corinthians where uh, Paul says he pleaded with God to take away what he calls a thorn in his flesh, says he pleaded with him three times we don't know what it was we just know that it was something that paul was praying he'd be relieved from we don't know what it was but instead of taking away the thorn in the flesh whatever it was god tells him this in second corinthians 12 9 i love this verse my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness Man, friends, if we can manage to understand this, that God's power works best in our our weakness, if we can do the best work, accomplish the mission the best, not when we're at our best, but when we're at our weakest and God is at his best, then we realize it's not necessary for us to take credit for anything. Listen to the way Paul talks about himself in verse 8 here, right? Although I am less than the least, Of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me. Paul, he is absolutely acknowledging here how great a privilege this gift is that he's been graced with. And because he knows what he's been forgiven of, he knows how to approach that great gift with humility. I'll tell you this, friends. There's something so powerful in understanding that if we are anything in this life, it's only because of the goodness of God. And it's in spite of our sin. It's not because we're good. It's only because of the goodness of God. Paul talks once more about his calling here. And he shows us something that being humbled by God's grace, it increases our ability to carry out the mission God has given us. Being humbled by his grace increases our ability to carry out the mission. Now, Paul's humble heart toward God was what enabled him to persevere so much once he met Jesus on the road to Damascus that day. I'm just giving you the thumbnail sketch of Paul's life here, but if you read through the New Testament, you're going to see just this litany of things that Paul endured. He was beaten multiple times because he dared to say the Jews and the Gentiles can know God the same way. He was stoned, dragged outside the city. He was shipwrecked three times famous story where they're shipwrecked and he's a snake attaches itself to his hand and he throws it off in fact the act that got Paul into jail where he was writing this from eventually got him dragged outside the city and nearly beaten to death if you keep reading in Acts chapter 21 we're about to close here but I believe friends this translates so well in the day and age in which we live where we tend to place this premium I know I do it on taking care of ourselves not relying on anyone for anything else, for anything at all, because other people will let me down. Where we clamor to take credit for something as quickly as we can before someone else could take credit for it. But can I just submit something to you this morning? And I'm telling you, I'm certainly not always great at it. But know this, write it down this morning. Our hearts can be at peace when we rest in God's grace instead of our accomplishments. We can be at peace when we rest in God's grace. But incredibly, when we give our desire for credit and our drive to do everything on our own when we give all of that to God, when we give the gifts that God has given us back to God. Then remember, he gave to us in the first place. He gave us the gifts, so we should be able to give them back to him he can and he will use them exponentially more than we ever could have imagined. Friends, if you give your gifts back to God, he will use you in a way you never imagined. That means that we work using the gifts he's given us and he leads us to chances to talk to others about him. He gives us new revelation each day about our calling and our mission. It means that we can take better care of our family by giving our gifts to God than we ever could have without Him. Man, one of my missions in life that God has given me is to be the best husband and be the best dad I possibly can. I can do that the best if I give my gifts to God. You can bow your heads and close your eyes, friends. You see, His grace is enough for us. You see, His power is made perfect in our weakness and when we understand what we've been forgiven of we can approach our mission with humility and no matter what the process is looking like we can always be saying in our hearts just like Paul did Jesus is the reason I'm here whatever you're doing Lord friends Jesus is the reason that you're there With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I don't don't want to go too many Sundays without giving you a chance. Uh, maybe you're here today and, and you feel like you've known the Lord, but today you feel like you're far away from Him. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, this is the first time I've heard about Jesus and the gospel and accepting Him into my heart. It says in John chapter one that when we accept what Jesus has done into our hearts, we believe in our hearts that He's the Son of God came to earth he died and he rose again to come the perfect sacrifice for us that uh, when we accept that believe it in our hearts that jesus comes into our life and we get to go to heaven if you're here this morning and you need to experience that grace for the first time or maybe uh, you've been away for a while and you need to come back to the lord Uh, with our heads bowed our eyes closed i'm the only one looking around when i count to three would you just raise your hand so we can know to pray together one to pray over you this morning Lord Jesus you saw these hands that were raised in faith you saw these people that maybe they're accepting you for the first time or maybe today uh, they're sensing your voice and your presence for the first time in a long time I pray that you would come into their hearts Lord Jesus if they've, as they've raised their hand and um, they've taken a step of faith I pray that you would come into their hearts that you would overcome them with your grace Lord Jesus that you would forgive them of their sins let them believe on you in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord I pray for everyone else here. I know the vast majority of us know you and I pray that you would help us understand that you have given us a mission and that's to tell others about you. It might not be up on a stage preaching a message, singing a song, but you've given us a mission to tell others about you. When we go to our workplace, we go to our jammer or or wherever it is we may go I pray Lord that in this very moment these people that are in here you would give them a fresh revelation of the people they can speak to I pray that this church the people of Engage You would go into their daily lives this week and they would have a revelation of who you are a revelation for the people that they interact with every day and Lord when you give them the chance to speak up They would be ready for it. Thank you, you give us all good gifts. You've graced us all with gifts. Heavenly Father, I pray uh, you would sharpen them all the more. Help us go on the mission with you, Lord Jesus, to reach people. Praise things in your name.